0: Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher.
1: And I'd like to talk to you about your car's extended warranty. <laughs> We're doing product placement now. Let me just We're say, doing two product things. placement.
0: Two things, Scott yeah. Galloway. Okay. Please stop sending dose. me that Adidas boobs tweet. Stop sending it to me or I'll report you to the gazpacho police. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah. Would you like some Nazi secret police with your grilled cheese sandwich? Um,
0: this is like so. Demented. You know, there's so many good memes. I have to say, one was uh, uh, the gazpacho police are in in cahoots with the anti-foe or uh, the Progressos. That's from, I forgot who did that one, but George Conway did. The Progressos must be really going crazy for this. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry.
1: Yeah, uh, that uh, Adidas was not hacked. That was actually they uh, they intended to do that. I
0: guess I don't know. Just boobs everywhere.
1: I don't know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I guess they're just showing there's lots of boob types, which women, of course, already know. But thank you for the photo display.
1: I remember meeting with the CEO of Lululemon. Yeah. A really um, impressive guy who was the CEO of Sephora, uh, Calvin. And he went on for 10 minutes talking about uh, the relationship between fabrics and Mm-hmm. And brass, and we sat there and just kind of nodded our head for a while. But I guess it's actually, sports bras are actually quite complicated technology, which I did not know. Oh, yes. I did well, not know. I'm
0: wearing one right now, and I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Um, in any case, uh,
1: the, Mar- the joke you, we were that's making. You right. Welcome to America. <laughs> the
0: joke we were making was about Marjorie Taylor Greene calling Gestapo. I think that's what she was going for, Gaspacho. Everyone's having a good time on Twitter with it because she's good. she's an idiot. That said, you know. She's she's dangerous. She's still dangerous, as dumb as she might be, um, and and all these malaprops. You know, Trump makes them all the time. And it didn't matter. In any case, she's-
1: no Nancy Pelosi asking people to st- things like stop stock trading and everything. That that it's very reminiscent of. Uh- uh, people like yeah Bacha. it's it's it exactly that's it's not a false analogy there's a lot of historical parallels there it's it's
0: really truly um, not a lot of times that you can make make a Nazi yeah. joke I'll tell you that but she manages to allow us to um in any case that is an interesting story the, the Congress doing that we talked about that yesterday which is interesting
1: who who predicted that I think you I think someone listened to us well,
0: well you thought you thought Pelosi wouldn't do it because she's she was a again it but then she said I'm gonna go with my uh Going yeah, with no the choice. constituency. It, and you know what she's leaving, so she can make money afterwards. She'll make a lot of money. there They've already made it. her I would love to
1: quite frankly. Yeah. Like I like the speaker. Um yeah. I love her fashion more than anything. I yeah. think I think that's very important. Yeah. Um especially for the kind of one of the third most the third in line to the president needs to look good and she looks better than we haven't had some great dressed uh, speakers, which is I think she really looks upsetting. Good. But she does. Um uh, but she's um I would like to see her husband's trades I, I think it's just insane that these people Richard uh, – senator Burr what's gone on here um yeah. I just can't I just literally can't get over the I know him that pretty well i i
0: I, he doesn't strike me as a cheater, but uh, but uh, but it, well, you're that's right. the thing. They
1: don't. They're not cheating. That's the problem, right? Yeah. They're, they're, well, look, they're not cheating any more than Elon is moving to Texas. That
0: seems like I know, but that's the. It seems as if he did that. That would be put him in the target zone. I don't know. I don't
1: know. will you know
0: who knows. But nonetheless, I think you were correct in that they doesn't. You can't even help yourself in some ways. You know stuff and you know stuff, right? And you talk at home. And you, you
1: think you're just being smart. Yeah. You, you find yeah. out a pandemic is about to break out the next day, and you think, well, maybe I'll just take it, sell a few stuff. Or you find out, oh, we're about to commit a billion dollars to Moderna. Yeah. Hmm, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll buy a few shares for my grandkids, my great, 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 great grandkids, because I'm hundred forty years <laughs> yeah. old and yeah. refuse to leave.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a different kind of insider trading. It's a weird, you know, sort of plain sight one. But in any case, it's the right, probably the right thing to do. But then again, who's going to run for office, right? Only rich people or maybe not rich people. You know,
1: it's, no, re- you, it's I, I, don't know, know. I don't know. I'm just saying. Uh, this, this is the reality, and that is unless you have insider information, mm-hmm. there's probably no good reason, according to most of the finance academics, to stock pick. You're supposed to put your money in low-cost ETFs. There's a lot of studies showing that stock picking yeah, I know. doesn't work. Yeah, for so, most people, yeah. for them to say they want to engage in capitalism is just saying, you no, know, they want to engage in insider trading because if they were to put their money in blind trusts or put it in low-cost ETFs with trading windows – That research shows they're not going to do any worse than the rest of us. So unless you're on to something, this is uh, if they can't pass this, they literally can't pass anything. They can't pass anything. And what I'm waiting,
0: we'll see.
1: see. What I'm dying to see is if that one bullshit piece of legislation goes through that your penalty Mm -hmm. is confiscation of your salary. I'm telling you, I'm running for senator, dog 2022. I'm going to give all six years up, and I'm going to go to Washington yeah. with the sole purpose of starting a hedge fund and I'm going to be transparent about it, right, based okay. on insider well, we'll enjoy information. All
0: right. We'll I'll enjoy you here in Washington. We'll hang out all the time. I'm
1: going to ha- I'm going to set up meetings with Lena Khan to find out about FTC action that's right. coming up, okay. Jerome Powell to all get right. his view on now interest rates. No. Head of the Department of Defense. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> I told you go oh, watch what? that I'm... Eddie Murphy movie. Go watch the Eddie Murphy.
1: I'd movie. be awful but I wouldn't be any, I, I wouldn't be any more well, awful you than need anyone to Serve the people. Going to you know. need
0: to have more civic civic Feeling integrity. I'm anyway, very civic minded. Yes, you are. Okay, today we'll talk I'm about Peter Thiel stepping down from Facebook's board. Peloton shuffling at C suite. We'll speak with uh, Jeremy Allaire, CEO of the fintech company Circle, uh, about what 2022 will bring for the world of cryptocurrency. Circle. 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 That's it. So, I, I he I used love to have so, a, like a video a company, cable if member. you remember. I'm totally Circle. blanking on his video company, but I yelled at him once for a full hour about his shitty video company. This was back in the day when we were trying to get video up online. Mm. Uh, it wasn't shitty. It just was mm. early. Anyway, Amazon wants five-star talent mm-hmm. and it's ready to pay top dollar. Everybody is sort of upping the ante. The company will raise its max base pay for corporate and tech workers from $160,000 to three hundred. $50,000. Uh, Amazon says more increases will follow for, quote, most globally uh, go- jobs globally, most jobs globally. The Internal Post uh, noted this past year has seen a particularly competitive labor market, you think. Late last year, Apple paid out a surprise bonus as up to $180,000 in an attempt to stop software engineers from leaving the big uh, tech competitors. It's a huge jump, huge amount of money on the bottom line. They, I guess they weren't paying people enough. Uh, and being at Amazon isn't enough correct?
1: This is really interesting. If you think about the wages are under incredible upward pressure right now, especially in the information economy. And the the other thing, and I actually, you know, in, in a weird way, it's sort of related to Teal leaving Facebook's board, and that is these companies are, um, so you have Facebook whose stock has declined. So anyone who's joined Actually, anyone who still has a lot of shares who they haven't or vest unvested or vested options, uh, your equity compensation at Facebook or Amazon at uh, um, uh, kind of a mid-level to executive level, the majority of it, at least psychologically, is from the expected value of the increase in your equity award, Mm -hmm. right? So uh, there's a lot of people, there's probably several thousand people at Amazon or Facebook that have several million dollars in equity value that, that has invested. So they yeah. think, okay, I'd like to go to this cool little startup, but right. every month I continue to stay here, I make another 40, 60, 100, 200K in additional equity value. Then all of a sudden Facebook throws up on their earnings and it goes from being worth 3 million to yeah. 400,000, yeah. or it goes from being from being worth 400,000 to zero. So all of a sudden people start returning the calls of headhunters. And so, what typically what happens in a mature company is the compensation shifts from equity compensation to current compensation because a company, even like Amazon and Google that are doing really well, yeah, their, their stocks don't really double. Well, yeah. Well, their yeah. stocks don't double for here. So, if they go to a smaller startup uh, that's doing really well, it's very conceivable that the equity value of their options could quintuple in the next three right. to four years. Right. And right. so, it just becomes a different dynamic. The other thing I find fascinating about Amazon. And I do think Amazon is the most visionary company and forward-thinking company of the last uh, century arguably. And w- w- look at what they did in the beginning, Kara. They 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 kind of no one has zigged when everyone else has zagged in mm-hmm. terms of investments like Amazon. Amazon said, "Alright, let's take our biggest expenses. Let's look at fulfillment." And let's not only overinvest in it, but we're going to so massively overinvest in it because we have uh-huh. access to cheap capital that we'll be able to rent it out to other people. I was in e commerce in the 90s, and every e commerce player did the same thing. We'd all go to the Kentucky Ohio border and ask somebody, can you get our shit there within seven days for four bucks a box or three bucks? It was lowest common denominator. It was terrible service. They went the exact opposite way mm-hmm. and overinvested. Mm-hmm. Then they overinvested in processing power. Then they overinvested in media. And now, I'm not sure. I'd be curious to get your thoughts here, but I think Amazon... Says as we move towards more software and services away from manufacturing, yeah. which is more about inventory, more about warehouses, mm-hmm. and you're moving bits instead of moving atoms. I think they've said we're going to make a staggering overinvestment in human capital. Yeah. But I think they've said we have the cheap capital. I think they've seen that right? like Netflix. as usual
0: with a company. It's not Jeff Bezos here, but the people who he trained. They they have an opportunity to 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 get people, and they'll do it. They'll they'll. They, he's mm-hmm. they've always spent. Look, this is a company that's always spent for whatever their need is, and have, has relied on Wall Street to let them do it. And in this case. Unless it, it's, you know, look, Facebook is reeling, their stock is still strong, they've got the opportunity to do this, so why not? I just feel mm-hmm. that this is sort of in there, and they need the people. This is a company that needs lots of people, they need everybody working for them. Um, I think they're still going to face enormous challenges with unions, etc., the bigger they are. The harder they'll fall in that regard, and so they've got to at least be having people questioning whether they need to be part of a union, right? Like, well, they're kind of nice to me. What do I need this for? Like kind of thing. Well, uh,
1: they've lost the, the unions are losing it so, I mean, so far. So far, doesn't they lost mean they're the going, big one.
0: Yeah, they're coming back. That's not true. There's all kinds of activity, you know. So I think that they're gonna they're gonna have to not just. The competitive labor market, but the union challenges, um, and and the and and the, uh, the ability of this, as I as we talked about this reassessment of people to move anywhere they want right now, um, and so they want to lock this kind of thing in. I, I think it's just smart. It's smart on their part. It doesn't cost them that much. Uh, they look good. It helps in all kinds of ways, and they don't look like they're sort of living off the backs of other people as quite as much, you know, which I think people think about quite a bit when they have things. Every time someone delivers, I'm like, what does that person make? What is, you know, and I don't, of course, don't do anything about it, but it still is in your mind about this company, how they treat their workers.
1: I'm bullish on Amazon. as
0: Yeah, I am too. I am too. I think they make the moves. Do you
1: realize last year, in the last twelve months, they've hired more people than the population of Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Amazon hires more kids out of my class. Ten percent of my class will go to Amazon. Yeah, I teach two hundred and eighty kids. Thirty will go to Seattle. And it's just hilarious. They come into my office hours. They never want to talk about strategy or brand strategy. They always want to talk about their job offers and they'll say, I've got a job offer from, you know, McKinsey or Goldman or Sunbank, or I've got an offer from Amazon. I'm like, Stop wasting my fucking time. Take you Amazon. got plaid. You got plaid, pearl jam, and bad coffee in your future. Everyone goes to Amazon. Yeah. Kids, young people are insecure, they, so they always go to the brand. Mm-hmm. And Amazon right now has the best brand in yeah. terms of an employer. Yeah, I think that- and they all – Amazon must get – I bet they get a 90% yield on their job offers. Maybe. I bet almost know. everybody they make an offer to uh, comes there. But who's going to struggle here? Who's really got to think about this? Is Facebook with their stock decline? Because yep. all of a sudden, yep. like, the perceived compensation of their and employees has gone down a lot.
0: Everybody. And it depends on where you want to live. But especially. Apple stock
1: is not down. Uh, No, I get it, but it's where you want to live. is
0: kind of interesting—a place to live. Anyway, we'll see what happens with there, but it's a smart move on their part. Tesla has been subpoenaed by the SEC over something Elon Musk tweeted again. Oh, uh, hate to see it, don't go on. Hate (laughs) to see it. All right, all right. Hate to see it, Scott. Um, Elon polled his Twitter followers asking whether he should sell 10% of his shares. Regulators want to know if Tesla complied with the settlement agreement from 2019 that said Elon's tweets about the business would be vetted by a company lawyer. I, I, I. I think they're just testing the testing the the enforcement here, um, picking this particular one. They're not
1: uh, testing it, Kara. They're yeah. ignoring it. No. Th- he's waving his, he's maybe, waving his fat middle I'm just saying, finger I'm talking in the about face the SEC. of the most noble organization he in the does. world, he the US government. The, what does
0: he call it? He has a name for it. That's uh, the something, something. He has a funny name for the Securities and Exchange Commission. You know, this was a, this was a settlement that came after he tweeted that he was taking tests of private funding security.
1: You mean market manipulation?
0: They're testing if he's – it's like sort of the consent decree if he if they're doing what they said. So we'll see. I. It was an odd tweet for sure. I was like, oh, no, the SEC's got a react. It's been a, it takes him a while though, I'll tell you that. I don't know if anything will happen, honestly. He see, he knows Yeah, I'm not,
1: I'm not sure either because let's be honest, billionaires play by different roles.
0: Or he does and they just dares them to do something. You know, dares them to do something is his is sort of his brand. Speaking of brands, good luck. You know, dare you know, he'll he'll go out there. And sometimes he loses like in the pedo trial. And sometimes he uh, um he didn't, he didn't lose. lose, that one, won lose he won in the trial. He won that one. Right. I'm sorry. Sometimes yeah. he wins, like in the pedo trial. And, and he so far hasn't really lost that much, right? He hasn't really lost anything. Well,
1: they for blade market manipulation, they find him 0.0, 0 you know, like 0.1% of his I mean. net worth. But That's part I mean. of the agreement was I mean, this is what he tweeted at me that I was an insufferable numbskull when I said, okay, this poll is bullshit. You've already filed to sell these shares. You're clearly planning to do it. Yeah. And you're not allowed. I mean, this, this again is the most blatant violation of when you have a penalty and they say, all right, you have to, you have to do community service or we're sending you to prison. Yeah. Most people do their community service. And so he isn't, he's, he's violating the conditions of his settlement. Guess
0: what? Welcome to Trump tearing up all documents of the US government. Do you really think they're going to get him on it? He just can do it. That's, it's, it's a, it's a, I don't like these rules. I'm going to blow your stop sign. So. And the, and there's no there's no repercussions, so I don't know what to say.
1: But what I don't get, uh, I think everybody, and I don't like it. Every every company I've run, I have a board of directors, and they get in my face about stuff, and they put up guardrails. And you realize that greatness is in the agency of others. That you get a good board. He clearly has absolutely no board he, because someone on the board would come and say, Elon. How is this you know, helping are you or our do? shareholders? What are
0: they going to do? Honestly, this is – if, so, if the, the, I think this shows that if you don't want to run, run the rules, you don't have to. Like, you don't. Like, you know, it, it, there's – maybe for some people there's repercussions, but not this guy. So, there you have it. He's going to – I just don't think anything's going to happen. It's just – he doesn't yeah, like the stop signs where they are. I, right. There's a stop sign I don't like in D.C. I blow it all the time. And Amanda's always like, You just decided really? this and I'm you like, run
1: a stop sign it's not a stop
0: sign, it's a light that I don't oh, like.
1: You're a, you're a rebel. I just don't you're like a it. Rebel. It says you
0: have to take a right and I'm thinking it's stupid, so I always take a left. And I'm not gonna say where it is. Just
1: but- to you're going to show a signal when you go the wrong way, yeah. regardless of where you're going?
0: No, I'm go- I am I don't like it. I don't agree with the government's decision on this light. Wow. So, I just you're, don't do it.
1: Don't stand too close to your flame. You might get burnt.
0: People do it all wow. the time in little ways. And this guy, does uh, it. he doesn't like the rule, uh, and he thinks it's dumb, and so he does what he pleases. And so, they either have to come down really hard, and then he makes them look stupid, which is, like— it's just he's going to win. If you break little rules like this, and there are little rules, they really are. Um, mm-hmm. They you can it just shows you there's nobody there. Just like with Trump, he ripped up all the things Trump did, one thing after the next. Everyone's like, he can't do that, and he did, and he got away with it. So, and, well, and sometimes worse. Sometimes
1: I ripped the sometimes worse. I ripped the label off clothing that says "Do not remove."
0: Oh well, there you go. That's right. I'm just saying. It's just like a there's rebel. no there's no repercussions, and they're just proving that. You know, they're just proving that. Uh, speaking of no well repercussions no repercussions the canadian protesters are staying in the headlines the more there's not as many of them um there's there's a lot of like fact check they're not as big as people think they are but nonetheless it's effective a small group of people can be very effective drivers and pickup trucks and cars blockaded the ambassador bridge between detroit and windsor i've been on this bridge they're against covid measures inspired by the freedom convoy It's occupied Ottawa for only two weeks. The Ambassador Bridge is the busiest international crossing in North America. Um, Lots of trade goes across it. Uh, 27% of all U.S.-Canada trade, which is incredible at one bridge. Let's fix that. Um, it's a privately owned bridge, um, so you know it's just that they're. I think I think their imagery is not great because I think a lot of Canada's pissed now at them. Um, now they're just irritating pains in the necks, but you know it's growing too. There's groups of people that like to make trouble, and you, you you know this is how they do it in Canada instead of invading the capital. I guess.
1: Well, actually, it's how they do it in France. I remember yeah, coming in from France. Charles oh, yeah. de Gaulle, which I can't stand. Which may, maybe next to oh, Miami is the worst international airport that in the world. One time.
0: A mile, you're right. It's,
1: it's crazy. And then trying to get into town, and someone said, oh, there was this trucker strike, and they'd parked at the exits, and it took us literally four and hours the to get in the airport." the farmers the
0: tractors? That happened to uh, me. I, I don't. Walked. I don't find this. I got this, out of the cab and walked a mile to the airport. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I don't find this. Um, I, I don't have a ton of sympathy. I'm not down with the good... The good truckers in France or in Canada. My view is they should uh, take pictures or just record who the trucks are stopping and go confiscate ten percent of them. Problem over. Sorry, yeah, boss, our we'll truck see. now. I
0: guess I don't we'll um, I, I think. I, I think
1: this is. I think this is a form of like economic hostage taking. I really think it's.
0: It is a thorny problem votes. for governments. I'll tell you that. Like, how do you do this right? Without well, it's striking. A it's melee. striking at the
1: economy when you're. It's striking at the economy when it—just uh, because you can strike at a place that's weakest. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's collective bargaining. I, th- I would bet Canada has stronger uh, pro-labor laws than we do. But yeah, I'm like, you know, take pictures, show up, absurd. confiscate 10 percent of their trucks. Word will get around. They'll you stop. know,
0: once you have a little bit of attention, they're— Get they're off out, my lawn! They're high on their own supply here, and they just—it they just it works. And they, they, what they're doing, though, of course, is the violence and the um, the the— Nazi symbolism and and just crude behavior. I don't know. I just I don't think there's they, they Nazi have to symbolism? win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Yeah, they've got like there's all kinds oh, of things.
1: Oh my god, got, who do they think they are? Gazpacho.
0: I <laughs> guess gazpacho. They're drinking a lot of gazpacho up there. Anyway, there it, yeah. we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Um it, but I think the government has a real authority problem to deal with them. They got to come down hard and and a lot. Anyway, let's go to some listener mail.
1: You've got, you've got. I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. You, you've got mail.
0: This week, our listener mail inbox was full of reasons why you're not watching the Olympics. Lots, said, uh, lots of you said time zones were the issue. One person even said it's because you can't gamble on figure skating. Uh, we also heard a lot of opinions like this one from Gabe in California. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Gabe in That's California. Good. Play the tape from Gabe.
1: The problem is, how do you watch it? I tried hard during the Summer Olympics to find a good option.
2: The Peacock app is a joke. The curated content is terrible. So it needs innovation desperately. I would love to become obsessed with the Olympics again, but I can't find it anywhere that I watch entertainment. And that's the fundamental problem.
0: Mm, That's interesting. That's the fundamental problem. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think it's that our nation is all split up. We go off to our little streaming things. We used to all be part of a little town and we'd all gather around for the Olympics. And now we got other options. I just, there were no options before. I think it's, that we're not a collective anymore as a group of people. We like we like what we like. We'll watch what we watch. But I haven't used the app, so I don't know. What do you think?
1: Well, I, you, I, I think you're both right in the sense that just consumer behavior is really powerful. Remember, only a few Olympics ago, it was sort of two, four, and seven. Mm-hmm. Not only got a lot of viewership passively, you put on the evening news with Tom Brokaw or whatever, but you you. Channel Four, NBC, was right there and so yep. present for you. Whereas, one, you now have four hundred channels, and not even four hundred channels, but technically your options are four thousand. Twitter, days, because everything's everything. streaming and on yeah. demand. Yep. And then you have so many other things pulling your attention, and also the it, it to have to get to a, a channel, not you know, and go th- run through hoops. The individual is absolutely right. It's not easy. It used to be super easy to watch the Olympics. Now you have to actually think about it, yeah. And maybe download an app or and, subscribe and then you run past something and- on
0: Netflix or whatever. You just, I, I think it's. I don't think we're a collective anymore. It's incredible that NBC paid more than seven billion dollars for the rights. Incredible, yeah. Twenty. Really I wonder is who'll buy them next. Twenty thirty two. Um, you know, time zones. People have. The, times have been oh, it's probably easier. gonna be
1: that Matt Damon back crypto thing. Yeah. Be bold.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Time zones are always the issue. I don't think I don't think that's as big a deal. I don't know. It maybe they are, but but they, they haven't seemed to be. I don't recall being like you watch it the next day. But and also that is actually true in terms of you know what happened, right? You you can read what happened and before you didn't quite know what happened if the newspaper wasn't there. Things have changed. Things have changed and people don't want to watch them in a big group. And it's a very, it's a smaller group of people. Was, and there's nothing, there was nothing on, but now there is. So Gabe from California's message came in on our new phone line. You can leave us a voicemail at 855 51 or as always, drop us a line at nymag.com slash pivot, but leave us a voice message. We like our new thing and leave us nice messages. We like, say hi to Scott or, you know, he needs the love. Um, so you,
1: you, know, think? you
0: think you uh, think uh anyway it's an interesting topic i was watching the olympics for two seconds yesterday and then i went to netflix or hbo i don't even remember i watched the gilded age that's hbo it's not very
1: good so uh i'm watching oh really i'm watching uh, euphoria and freaking out about having kids
0: oh yeah don't watch that yeah. i don't watch that my kids watch it but i don't watch it
1: by the way i was just looking up on tv kara um You know, in order to get viewership up, uh, the Olympic Committee is, and it's happening tonight, has introduced a new sport, a new game. They have uh, pinball. Um, And and by the way, I'm betting on that deaf, dumb, and blind kid.
0: That's good. (laughs) That's good Olympic humor. Oh, my goodness. In any case, let's get on to our first big story. Peter Thiel is leaving the meta board. Uh, He reportedly wants to focus on electing Trump-aligned Republicans in the midterms. Uh, Two of his protégés are currently running for the Senate, J.D. Vance in Ohio and Blake Masters in Arizona. I think Blake worked for him. Um, Thiel has donated $10 million uh, to political action committees backing each candidate. Um, He's donated to a candidate uh, challenging Liz Cheney in, uh, in Wyoming. He was very active in the Trump administration, obviously, and I think a lot of people blame him for... Facebook's bear hug or blame or compliment him, depending on who you are. Um, and so uh, you know, he's always been sort of a controversial uh, board member when he sued Gawker. That was a moment where they were, they had to say something about it, saying he's a private citizen doing that. Um, so I don't, what do you think about this? I don't know a lot of why he left. Honestly, I haven't really called around or anything like that. Maybe he just was tired of it or, or whatever. I'm not sure. Um, very close to uh, Mark Zuckerberg, very big influence on Mark Zuckerberg for sure. Uh, Made a fortune, both of them together at Facebook, um, was one of the first people who believed in Mark Zuckerberg for sure. He also had investments in lots of things, Clearview AI. He was an investor in Palantir that had some beefs with Facebook back and forth. He's, he's a really interesting on, uh, person. He obviously, uh, put a lot of his, uh, meta stock in a Roth IRA, which means that he, he, if he cashes out in twenty twenty seven, he gets the money tax free, etc. So, what do you think, Scott? There's all kind. Peter Thiel is quite a character.
1: Yeah, I, I think this is what it is, and that, uh, or that. I don't know if there's a backstory here, but he's been on the Facebook board, you know, over a decade. I think he invested a half a million dollars at valuation. Yeah, he of was like the first six big million investor he, yeah. he's made. Yeah. He's made tens of billions uh, f- from Facebook. And I think that he's decided if he wants to be really politically active, which he he wants to be, he probably shouldn't be on the board of a company that is a very, has been very correctly sort of politicized. So this makes sense. And Peter Thiel, I don't. I don't agree with his politics, but he strikes me as someone who's very self-actualized. He kind of knows what he wants and he doesn't really care what other people think. He's like, I'm gonna, this is what I think is right. This is what I'm gonna do and, mm-hmm. you know, have at it. I'm not, it, it, he doesn't strike me as someone who, he's dancing to his own drum. I've always admired that he strikes me as someone who knows what he wants and and doesn't really, you know, he's like, okay, I'm I'm here to please me, full stop. That uh, is true. But, that is but he's, true. Um, he's gonna get very politically active. Uh, and he doesn't, he, he's probably just, what has he not accomplished? But what he does is he joins uh, the list of the most impressive people in America, and that is the most impressive people in America have left the Facebook board. But unlike Peter Thiel, they usually leave after a year when they realize that Mark Zuckerberg is insincere about cleaning up Facebook. I mean, Erskine Bowles, uh, Susan Desmond-Hellman, Ken Chanal, all went on this board, Don looked around. Don all went on this board, looked around and said, okay, I can help. I can figure this out. These people always have big egos. I can coach this young man. He probably seems sincere about wanting to do the right thing. And then they go, okay, this guy's full of shit and doesn't care. I'm out of here. I mean, it is – these folks have all left so much right, money on the table. But Teal wasn't to leave. this person.
0: Teal is a no, great he's, he's, admirer of Mark Zuckerberg. There. You know, he's been there for years and a very big influence on the stuff that many people think are problematic. You know, he's been a big influence, especially the lean towards Trump.
1: Yeah, it, but it, it strikes me that this is what it is. He wants to be very involved. He doesn't need the headache. He's got the money. He's literally Coke Light, isn't Coke Brothers Light? Yeah. He's going to be probably yeah. the most dominant political Coke Heavy force uh, of twenty twenty two with his money very strategic, yeah. very smart. Um, I mean, he's probably the biggest threat to uh, Representative Cheney right now uh, because yeah. he's clearly not, I mean, there were so many, think about it, think about the societal norms and pushback and you become a pariah. He's basically a billionaire that got pissed off at a media company and put them out of business. Right. That has a lot of very unusual, un, you know, uncomfortable notes to it. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. Yeah, he's like, well, he I can, I can put, I can put a media company out of business. that wrote yeah, he things that I didn't like. Opinions.
0: He has some opinions. He has some opinions. He's definitely. You're right. Koch brothers behind the scenes, but sort of in front of the scene. People know he's there. He's not super quiet about where he goes. Um, I think he wants to be, you know, the powerful, most powerful person in the on the Republican side for sure. He also has continues to invest. He's in Rumble, um, which just offered Joe Rogan 100 million dollars to leave Spotify and join its service, which. I, that's exactly what I would do if I was Rumble. You know, he's got a lot of detractors. Josh Marshall at Talking Points Memo tweeted, Peter Thiel is leaving the Facebook board, says he wants to spend more time with fascism, <laughs> which was not very nice. But, you know, J.D. Vance is a fucking clown, as far as
1: I can tell. I Could heard man. he loves gazpacho.
0: Gazpacho. You know, he's a shit stirrer, is what I would call him. If having mm-hmm. I used to talk to him a little bit more, but I haven't talked to him a long, long, long time. Um He's a shitster. I uh, uh, just—that's his whole thing—is he wants. He doesn't like the way society is. He doesn't. He doesn't. He rails against elites, even though he's gone to a lot of elite institutions and 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 has you know sort of moves in that those circles. He's um he sort of backs like the common man kind of thing, even though he's mm-hmm. not a common man. Um, so it, you're right. It's sort of coke. It's it's, it's the he has ideas about this government and what it should be or not be, you know, and it's not quite Mm -hmm. burn it all down, but it's not, you know, he's not pleased with the way our government is and what it's doing. And he's got ideas about society and liberals and all kinds of things. And it's all over the map, interestingly enough, Uh, has invested all over the place. Sometimes it's worked, sometimes it hasn't. Um, But certainly that one bet he made on Facebook was a good one, and it has paid I, off.
1: I think I'm like most people. I'd like to do edibles with him and Angela Lansbury, and just see what happens. See how it plays yeah. out. <laughs> just see what. Where anyway, it goes. Um,
0: he, I think it's probably he's may have th- thought this is enough with the Facebook. I don't need this this anymore. Done. Uh, I've Capital done my work. D, done. I've done Capital. my work. I've moved along. And so when Peter Thiel got in, it was like nothing. You know, back in the day, in, in, in Max, he's made a fortune. Like he's made a complete fortune. No, he's made
1: know. he's made the GDP of Colombia. I mean, it, this his yeah. that's one of the greatest venture investments of uh, of all time. But he's yep. done a lot of strange stuff. He's not afraid to fail either. He was uh, he ran no. he did a hedge fund for a while. I did. I really the idea I really wasn't a big fan of was he was giving people 100 grand to drop out of college. For, and this I mean, is from a guy who doing. had undergraduate and graduate degrees from Stanford. And it's like, well, it worked pretty well for you, boss. Um, yeah. And then there was some reports about that didn't work out that well for those kids. But he's definitely, you know, you got to yeah, give it to him. He's he's kind of his own dude. Uh, He is. I'd love to sit
0: and talk with him again. Okay, Scott, let's go on a quick break. When we come back, Peloton is spinning, and we'll speak with Circle CEO Jeremy Allaire about USD Coin. Scott, we're back. Peloton CEO is out, so are 2,800 employees. John Foley announced he'll move into the role of executive chairman. I suspect he's not out. He's still around. Barry McCarthy, a former CFO at Spotify, will take over as Peloton's CEO, a very well-regarded executive. I, I know him a little bit because he worked at Spotify. He worked at Netflix, I believe. Uh, meanwhile, the company is laying off 28% of its workforce, or as I said, 2,800 people. Uh, Not to worry. Um, They will not, uh, laid off employees will get one free year of Peloton. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, In an earnings Mm -hmm. report, Peloton says it lost almost $440 million last quarter. So uh, what prompted this? This guy didn't have to. He controls a majority of shares. Maybe he said, I'm getting out of the way here. I'm putting in a professional to to shake things up. It surged 25% after news of this shakeup, for example, and Amazon and Nike are supposedly looking at it.
1: This this surprised me. And I think it I think it probably indicates that things are even worse than we think because for the CEO – and insiders control the company here. And I would have thought optically and I think he would have said, look, I just give me – let me get out of this and then I'll declare victory and yeah. leave. Let me get out of this really yeah. ugly part of the company's history. And the fact that they, they and he decided, no, you're out – Means mm-hmm. means I it may even be worse than we think in terms of supply chain and operations and overexpansion. So when I saw this, I was shocked because yeah. a small group of, people, of people control people the company. Not
0: just you. Lots of people. And
1: and what this says is it is it is really bad. Either the numbers that they're seeing in the supply chain problems or customer acquisition or churn, whatever it might be it is really ugly because usually if a, if it, if the company is what i would have thought on the board they would say okay we need i would th- i would have thought with someone who's the founder they would want to stabilize things and say okay just just right the ship get it stable and then move and then and then you'll announce that you're going to chairman uh, so to make this change right now under the auspices of an activist and all the shit's going on it really says. And and all yep. I had, Most, the investors and- He's still and, and,
0: executive chairman. He controls the majority of Peloton shares. He's out of the limelight. I don't know. We'll see. But The, the activists him to, want him out of that, too. Yeah, the, uh, the
1: activists you know. have no power here. I, I, I They'll yeah. declare victory. They're, I just, it, well, I'm just saying
0: they want him out as executive chairman, too. It must but be he really-
1: Things must be really bad. The numbers. I don't the, know this the, particular the executive. Saying, let me
0: read you a comment from someone I, I asked yeah. around. I re, I met him. You know, you he, he always meet the CEO and not the CFO. CFOs are critically important. Um, he's smart. He focuses on the fundamentals. He understands LCV LC, uh, well and knows how to generate it. He's no nonsense. Has high standards. Is demanding in a rational and reasonable way, but never ducks mm-hmm. individual responsibility. Is self deprecating in a way that I think indicates a pretty healthy relationship with himself. So kind of uh, this. This was wow. I, I called ten people. They all love it, this he, guy. They he he's sounds great.
1: like us. If we were nothing like us, <laughs> um, in any
0: case, he's got a he's got a lot to do.
1: He looks like a whiskey commercial. He's very handsome. He looks like <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I drink Valentine. Uh, he looks. He does look like a whiskey. Uh, I
0: think he's a no nonsense kind of guy, and he wants to be a CEO. And here he is. So uh, he's got a lot to deal with. Uh, Laid off employees reportedly crashed an online all hands meeting where the new CEO was introduced and left angry comments. Of course. Who knew the death of Mr Big could cause all this? Who...
1: I can't believe they offer this as part of severance a year of Peloton.
0: Question is is it a is it a pandemic stock destined to die or not? And that's I have to say I think the users love this product. So as yeah, a great product, so. I love it. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Let's bring in our friend of Pivot Jeremy Allaire is the co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Circle, the digital payments company behind the USD coin. That's a digital stablecoin pegged to the U.S. dollar. Last year, Circle announced plans to go public via SPAC and perhaps more ambitiously, its intention to become a quote full reserve national commercial bank. I've known Jeremy for a long time. I was just joking with him. He had a company called Brightcove that we used. It's a video, early, early video company that we used on All Things D, and I would call and yell at him all the time because it didn't work. But I apologize. Now, because I realize how difficult Expo- it was.
2: Apology, apologies accepted. Okay, I, I remember how stressful how stressful that was when you were going. You were like going live with video at the event. Yeah, it was like a yeah a major new thing. Yeah, and, it was. was yes. Yeah, I totally and actually,
0: yeah. Walt and I wanted you to build us something where we would talk to each other and yell at each other, and we couldn't do it. And now, of course, I have Scott here. In any case, one of the other things is Jeremy was one of the first people you, to have,
1: talk- built that. you have built FYI, that you have built. FYI, you have built. I know
0: that I get it. In any case, he was also one of the first people to talk to me about uh, blockchain. Uh, him and Wences Casarius were the very first people, as I recall. Um, and he was very. He moved to that very quickly, and we had a conversation in 2017 of what is blockchain. Um, and other things, and you just you just put out a you put it in newspapers or a thing called print and things like that. So, can you talk a little bit about we, what yes, what you're exactly. what, why you did that? Explain what you just did.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I mean, there's like this big question that is kind of running around mostly in, in Washington, but certainly in on Wall Street and and in other financial capitals, which is you know there's sort of this perception that there's now a kind of digital currency space race. China is building a, a, you know, the ECNY, it's coming out of the Olympics and everyone's, you know, uh, it, to some degree is kind of freaking out mm-hmm. saying, you know, where's the U.S. on this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've had uh, a kind of uh, a Federal Reserve that's been doing some research, publishing some white papers. Um, and, you know, I think the, the, the question is sort of, how can the United States lead in this space? And, you know, our view um, we we have a lot of conviction around this is that um the US is actually already winning this so-called digital currency space race because dollar digital currencies that are built on the public internet that are built on an open an open model that is reflective of the the the, the kind of nature of the internet itself kind of open permissionless interoperable built mm-hmm. on standards uh, free market competition that builds on that that has given birth to this extraordinary, extraordinary, very high growth, um, very dynamic industry, and it's not without risk. There's lots of issues. So No one's saying like there shouldn't be regulation or anything like that. And as you noted, right, we're 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 sort of as we say, all roads lead to the Fed. We we believe we ought to come under federal government supervision. But mm-hmm. I think. The the argument that we wanted to make, and and in some ways we took over like homepages, and, and yes, we put stuff in print in, in a number of publications and, and throughout DC. Is um, the 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 answer here is not let's start a big government R and D project that's going to take three to five years, and itself introduces some pretty dramatic uh, and, and potentially high risk uh, privacy concerns market competitive concerns, Mm -hmm. uh, technology obsolescence concerns, etc., but get behind what's actually winning and, and embrace a model that is, in fact, what has made the West largely successful in being the leader in technology innovation on the Internet. Um, so that's sort of the argument we want to so make. So isn't it and, but and isn't it right?
0: I mean is it you're sort of saying like sort of like Facebook is doing let please regulate us but you don't regulate us too much. I mean you you revealed last year under investigation by the SEC. The SEC, we had Gary Gensler on last year talking about this. Um, isn't it appropriate especially in financial areas for the government to do this? You're, you're essentially saying they're going too slow in that they could muck up the works, which was sort of early internet people talked about this as you know you were around.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, there's a few things. I mean, like, w- we have, we've sought out regulations since 2013, when I started this, we mm-hmm. became the most regulated company in crypto, we got, we begged for licenses, <laughs> we went after, uh, you know, trying to do that, because we understood that if you're sitting between the existing financial system, and this new crazy world of the open internet, you know, of of money and blockchains, like there's a lot of risk. There's a lot of issues. There's fraud. There's consumer protection. There's money laundering. There's all this stuff. So we we've sought that out. And and now as this has gotten really big, I mean, USDC is grew ten thousand percent in the last two years. A thousand percent last year. We we've issued about ten billion new in circulation in just the last thirty days. It's getting quite large and. And and it's only going to get bigger. And this is now something where we believe that this ought to sit under kind of a federal uh, a federal supervision model. Like all of this fintech stuff, as you know, has basically been born out of what I call the fintech laboratories of the United States, which are the states. Mm-hmm. Money transmission, all the payments companies, they're all kind of more lightly regulated at a state level. Um, our view is that this kind of infrastructure, this is what we call kind of market infrastructure for dollars on the Internet, is potentially systemically scaled. It's potentially has this enormous reach. So we just, we just think um, we need to be thoughtful about what those regulations are. It's, it's a square peg, round hole question, right? If you just take the, the existing um, you know, payment system and try and uh, apply the, that to this, you're not going to get all the, the same benefits that come from an infrastructure like this. So you just need to be thoughtful. And that's in some ways what Treasury has said. Let's have Congress act. Let's define new statutes that are specific to this whole area. Scott?
1: Uh, nice to meet you, Jeremy. Uh, can you, Thank you. D- d- I feel as a crypto is like interest rates and as we all pretend we sort of understand what's going on or the relationship of the economy. Can you explain – what a stable coin is and then and, uh, and why it, 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 the primary points of differentiation i assume you think there's value versus a, t- a typical cryptocurrency and also mm-hmm. i'd love to just understand circle's business model
2: yeah sure so um the the term stable coin i'm not a huge fan of the term um but but it is what we have that's what people are calling, mm-hmm. calling these things um and um you know when when we refer to USDC, we describe it as a dollar digital currency. we don't mm-hmm. We don't say it's a stable coin, but everyone calls this a stable coin. Right. Um, the, but 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 fundamentally, the problem that um, we set out to solve and or the opportunity that we saw was that if you could take what we think of as traditional money, which mm-hmm. is actually basically the liabilities of a central bank or the liabilities of the u s. treasury, mm-hmm. you know treasury bonds and central bank money. And you could um, express that in a digital currency form. Um, So, you know, essentially give it the characteristics and capabilities of what we think of as a cryptocurrency, which is a a digital cash-like instrument that can transact instantly anywhere on the internet. It's open and interoperable like other protocols on the internet. It can move, um, you know, with extremely low cost so you you give it all you kind of give it this, these internet superpowers as i like to call it you give it those capabilities um but you are you're you're backing it by and you're basing it on the fiat currency and 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 really mm-hmm. you know f- for us that means essentially like cash and short term us government treasury so so you everyone understands oh this is like cash mm-hmm. and um and you give it the characteristics of the internet and then once you have that you have uh, you know, an extraordinary ability to use those dollars um on, on the internet. Um, and, and so I mean that's essentially the, the those problem coins. That we set those out coins on solve. the internet.
0: So what why does that why yeah, is that different yeah. than a PayPal or Venmo for the regular person?
2: Well this is like um yeah I, I you'll you'll appreciate this. Um uh, this is like what's the difference between internet email or the web and AOL? Yeah. Well, one is based on open interoperable standards. Anyone can connect to it. It's totally open and global and lots of developers can build around it. it. Another one's a walled garden. Mm-hmm. And what's the walled garden look like? So it's a walled garden metaphor. And I think the history of like payment systems and, and digital payment systems is essentially a bunch of walled gardens. But, you know, this stable coins answer the question of sort of everyone should be able to instantly interact and exchange value no matter what digital wallet you use, no mm-hmm. matter what Financial service you use, you should have that same level of reach and interoperability that the internet gives you, and that's what stablecoins provide. And and we see that in the ad that we took out, we talked about the hundreds of different digital wallets that support USDC. Yeah, it, you know, two point four trillion dollars in transactions on the internet last year with it, and so and, and this is just the start, right? I think this can this can you know ultimately be orders of magnitude larger than the sort of first generation of digital payment systems on the internet.
1: Don't stablecoins sort of bifurcate? utility from speculation and that is i want the transmissibility i want the divisibility i want the open standards of a cryptocurrency but i don't want to pay buy and pay in solano because it could go down 20 yeah. percent in the next 24 hours
2: totally yeah i mean like we we use dollars because they're relatively speaking price stable i mean the fed's mandate is to right. attempt to achieve price stability right and, you know, right now it's seven percent uh inflation but like yeah. more or less two, three, 4%. People can then use it as a unit of account. It's, it's, it's useful. People don't buy and sell goods and services using commodities because mm-hmm. it's insane. Right. And so you can trade for trade commodities. That's important. And you yeah. can speculate on commodities, but you can't really use them as a medium of exchange uh, efficiently.
1: What's the use case though? Because the use case I keep thinking of is remittance payments across borders where you get rid of the, the incredibly onerous fees. So it's an incredible tax cut on people sending money mm-hmm. home. I think of it as someone who wants out of the Argentinian peso and there's currency controls the and they can circumvent them by. Mm-hmm. But what is yeah. the what is the primary, break down the three or four biggest use cases of a stable coin?
2: Yeah, Sure. So I, I jokingly like to say, you know, when people ask what's the use case of, of USDC, I, I'm sort of like, what's the use case for a dollar? Well, there's a lot. Um, and mm-hmm. so you literally it's, you know, you might use it to make a micropayment for a piece of scarce digital intellectual property, a.k.a. an NFT. Mm-hmm. At one end, at the other end, you might have someone who's using it to bilaterally settle a, a huge trade for $500 million and, you know, everything in between. Now, I and think not subject um, to FINRA or
1: Syrificius F- F- and all the other. If, I, if you send money, if you wire money overseas right now, it's like you're trying to get a mortgage. It gets held up. <laughs> it gets examined. Yeah, it,
2: it, it is really challenging. And, and this is a vexing problem, uh, of course. And, and digital currency solves a big part of the problem. There's some incremental mm-hmm. things that, that I think still need to be solved. But yeah, I mean, the, 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 the concept of um, just a cross-border payment is kind mm-hmm. of insane when you step back and think about it. Is it is isn't Right? Yeah. Like, when's the last time you sent a cross-border email or had a cross-border right. web browsing session? It just doesn't point. make any sense. And and I think we're, we're on the cusp, and people who use digital currency are already living in the future. They're living in a world where, you know what, it doesn't matter. I'm on the internet. I have a piece of software on my device, and I'm just exchanging value peer-to-peer with anyone else, no intermediary. It's fast. It's cheap. It's secure. It's private. Like people are living in the future with that, um, and and regulators are are catching up. But coming back to your question, like what are the use cases? Um, they're evolving really rapidly. Uh, so you know, stablecoins were born out of the need for this is where the name came from. The need for people to get out of an unstable, price volatile thing like Bitcoin and in, into a price right. stable thing like a dollar. And so they are created for what I call the crypto capital markets. They were created. To, to sort of be the, the liquid dollar that could move at the speed of blockchains because everyone who was trading was moving at the speed of blockchains and, and, and sit there. That's evolved. So now, um, interestingly, to the other examples that you've given, um, we've seen this incredible growth. Um, and it's interesting to see since the start of COVID, you can actually chart the growth of stable coins. It's been incredible. And there's global demand. And hmm. the global demand is from people who want to hold digital dollars that that in a secure way and, and, and correlating to that, has been this extraordinary growth in what's called DeFi. And, and so, you know, USDC, for example, it plays a huge role in DeFi and DeFi provides people with a way to store their dollars securely and then earn interest on them. And so the bl- blockchains have given birth to essentially open interest rate markets, and these are interstate markets that any individual in the world can participate in. you literally can connect your wallet you can effectively uh, lend your u s d c and and earn a a a passive uh so yield you're mimicking of, you know, you're mimicking from,
0: the world as as it was how how do you relate then do you just mention bitcoin how, what analogy would you have them to your your excellent a o l example for example
2: <laughs> yeah um well i mean i i think um um you know, if if each of these kind of digital currencies are 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 like open internet protocols, um, you know, Bitcoin is a really powerful open internet protocol. Um, and it and you know, I think it it has I think very compelling attributes um as a, a secure store of value. And I mean people say this all the time, it's digital right. gold, et cetera. Um, but I, I think that's quite accurate. So the, the concept here is simply that from a long-term perspective, um, governments around the world are really, and including the United States, are massively in debt, are issuing a lot of money to continually refinance that debt, and are fiscally irresponsible. And that's everywhere. And in some places, it's horrible. And, you know, th- that means that those fiat currencies are have a structural problem. And so from a long-term perspective, a a non-government, non-sovereign, secure, tamper-resistant, uh, scarce, well-defined monetary policy store value is actually quite compelling, but you're not going to use it to buy cookies and milk and pay rent. Um, and so you know, there's this interplay between you know, an open internet of value exchange that's built on the big, the biggest reserve currencies of the world, which we think will be massive and be used massively, and these store value um, currencies, which are frankly savings instruments more than anything. So gold, else. gold um, is the and, thing you're using. And, and, and I think gold's the wrong analogy because I think gold is such a relic and it's, it has no utility. Uh, I mean, jewelry is interesting, but it, it doesn't have actual utility in the same way that Bitcoin. Bitcoin you know, brings the monetary effectiveness of gold, but to a a, a digital asset right. that can actually move it at, at, at the speed of the you internet. You can't carry which is pretty, gold pretty around, deep. is your point. You can't carry, you can't so carry I, gold I, d-
1: yeah. I just want to jump in here because sure. right before you got to the interesting stuff, Kara interrupted you. And I want to assure you, that she never does that. She never does that. I've
2: you never were seen about Karen
1: to, oh my anyone. God. Jeez. But but you were about to Men. get to what the yield is on your USDC. What is potentially yeah. the yield you can get? And and answer a fundamental question I've always had, and, and I don't understand: How can that yield be so much greater than the yield a bank gives you on cash stored in a certificate of deposit?
2: Yeah. So the the the, the best way to think about this is, um, uh, you know, there are capital markets, and mm-hmm. you know. Banks participate in capital markets uh, they they you know give out a bunch of loans, they package that loan up, they sell that as a thing to a capital market, and then there's hedge funds or whoever else buying up those loans and and the banks you know are you know maybe making four percent five percent six percent seven percent whatever they're making on those loans, and they make a spread of like three percent that's sort of the, the like the model now. When you put money in a checking account, they're not really paying you anything, Um, Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's a source of "quote unquote" deposits for them. That then they use, and then they create money, they make new money, and then they loan it out, and then they have that that loan book on the other side. Um, But you know, so what's happened with with digital currencies like this is, um, I think the the sort of developers have basically built protocols that are themselves borrowing and lending markets. So the, the, the market to borrow and lend is a piece of software that's on the public internet. It's a public protocol. It's, it's not a company. So you're, anyone that wants to borrow and lend from each other does that through the protocol itself that's you know, running on a, on a virtual machine and a smart contract on, on one of these networks, and that's what makes them decentralized. So it's this protocol that's out there. And and then individuals, whether it's an individual or a household or a firm or whoever can take their stable coins or other digital assets and lend them to the protocol. And then there's people on the other side of it who will borrow it. And these protocols, uh, the well-known are like Aave and Compound. These are some of the bigger ones that are out there. Um, you know, Essentially are, are, have created these capital markets in software on the internet. And the, the reality is, and and all the risk management and, and how the, the, the collateralization and liquidation and all the stuff that goes on for these markets, it's open and transparent because it's all open source. Everything is public and transparent and everything that's happening in that market is real time auditable because it's on a blockchain. So everyone can see the risk and what's happening. So it's, it's, First of all, it's just an extraordinary innovation and breakthrough. But secondly, the borrowers of capital are paying are willing to pay a high interest rate, essentially. So, if the borrowers of capital are willing to pay, let's just say it's six percent for dollars on these markets, and and then the the protocol itself generates income for the protocol, and then people who, uh, you know, participate in it generate a piece of the the fee. Then there's a piece that's then passed along to the to the lender, and so that's basically it. You're, you you don't have a bank as an intermediary, uh, as as one of my yeah. You
0: just killed the bank.
2: Yeah, I mean. It's like self driving, self driving banks is the concept. That that to oh God. It sounds scary, okay. actually. Yeah, it is. <laughs> don't use that
0: one. I would not use that one. So, let me, I have one last question. So, there was a lot of friction between your sector and U.S. regulators, with, I guess, Yellow, uh, Reserve, FD, uh, Federal Reserve Chairman Jeremy, uh, Jerome Powell, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, SEC Cherry. Uh, uh, Chair Gary Gensler, as I said, wanted to tighten regulations of stable coins. Um, and, 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 and Gensler called it the Wild West in his testimony. And so one thing you said is that it's critical. Let me read you a quote. You said, I think it would be great if there was a clear set of rules in the banking system in the United States around crypto asset lending. that doesn't really exist. We see it as a really important product here with a lot of growth. So can you, what would you, what is the one thing you need the government to do right now in terms of bringing this, not calling it the wild west which is okay but what to make it not that to, to make it not that i guess yeah but to their liking so the, i
2: suppose yeah i mean the 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 thing that 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 i'm focused on and we are focused on is um and, and and by the way this is like very aligned with what say the u.s treasury department is proposing and there was just testimony to congress last week from the undersecretary mm-hmm. nelly lang she's going to the senate next week um and 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 there are a lot of people in Congress who are now working on legislation. So we'll see if Congress can do something. But they're working on legislation to say, if you are a stable a dollar stablecoin issuer, here's what you got to do: you have to have the following reserve requirements, liquidity requirements, mm-hmm. audit requirements, any money laundering requirements, controls, mm-hmm. etc. We're going to define a charter for that. You got to register with the U.S. Treasury Department. You're going to be supervised by the U.S. Treasury Department, and in some cases, supervised by the Fed as well, depending on mm-hmm. the the full scope of your activity. And define that. So that's what's needed, and that's basically what the White House has said they'd like to see some version of that. Mm-hmm. And then it's like devil in the detail stuff. There's a lot of 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 things that you know could go too far or or too little. Um, and and so, but that's the essence. And then I think the other thing is. Um, you know, essentially, we need some definitions of these things so that accountants just, you know, good old fashioned accountants know what the hell these are. And they can treat them like cash and cash equivalents so that corporations and financial institutions and and households know that they're dealing in dollars, essentially, that this mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, something that they can account for in the right way, because right now it's, 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 it's amorphous. What the heck is this? Mm-hmm. And so you need some definitions and then you need this kind of U S treasury supervision. And, and in order, you, you know, you need to do that at a national level, basically.
0: Yeah. Which they have not done. All right, Scott, last question.
1: Uh, quickly business model. And how do you establish any sort of sustainable advantage as a USDC or a stable coin?
2: Yeah. 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 So, um, uh on on the on the business model so we sort of operate a couple of key businesses here the first is what we call our stablecoin market infrastructure that's a mouthful for what we do with USDC but we we have ambitions to do other currencies uh, beyond the dollar but that that market infrastructure so we operate that we scale that we support that we support the whole ecosystem that builds on it and then we monetize it through the reserves so uh, you know the reserves are basically growing there's 52 billion in circulation and yeah, you know, there's an interest rate environment and so we, we we monetize through those reserves. So that's one big piece. And that's quite significant if you look at what the interest rate environment is and 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 where it's going and this how fast this is growing. That's so similar to a
1: traditional bank, you have money, you're a custodian, you loan it out at a higher interest rate. You, we don't loan it out. Though.
2: We do not loan mm-hmm. it out. We are full reserve. You facilitate
0: we, the, gotta, they facilitate the
2: loan. Gotta. Yeah, and well, that's so that's the second piece, which is basically once people are living in digital currency instead of in legacy dollars and the legacy banking system, we provide a whole suite of essentially like f- a- accounts for businesses that want to transact in this, use it in their payment systems, integrate it into their own applications. We provide ways for people to lend it and borrow it. And and the like, and so that's that's purely in the digital currency itself. It's not in the legacy banking system. So we're sort of conducting these new commercial finance activities on top of blockchains and using the digital currency itself. And and so that we have, it's what we call our transaction services and our treasury services, and it looks a little bit like a commercial bank. Um, and and so that's a second piece, and, and and that's something that we 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 monetize is growing fairly quickly. In terms of your last question and like, how do we think about competitive advantage or or doing this? Um, You know, I, as you know, like, I come at this from the angle of like internet platforms and technology Mm -hmm. platforms. And I look at this as how, how do, how are we building a kind of open platform for dollars and money on the internet? It's about developer adoption. It's about scaling the ecosystem that uses this, making it as widely accessible as possible. And, it's, it's a network effects business. I mean basically, I mean the more people who plug into the protocol, the more utility mm-hmm. it has, the more demand there is to use it. And the more people who have the format, it's sort of like why did MP3 win? Well because everyone put it in devices and it worked. Um, the more people have the format then, and, and the more people who hold that, the more utility value it has. And so it has really strong network effects. and, and so I, I think that's the, that is the core is it's like an internet platform. developers, applications, integrations, distribution, and and that's how we maintain the competitive advantage that I think we have right now.
1: All
0: right. Jeremy, sounds exciting. You're going to help me find my Bitcoin someday? Oh, my You God. know I did buy some back then when you told me to. He's, he's oh, one of the two good. people that told me to buy. I lost it, Jeremy. I don't know no, where it is. Could no, no, any... no. You're not like yes, that guy t- who's <laughs>
2: in the dumpster in England uh, Remember, he's I'm that guy.
0: I, I don't have 500. I think I bought 10 when up on your advice oh, and the advice of Wenceslas. I don't have uh, it, Jeremy. I we need could to have a pretty good, good
1: time in Vegas so, with that jungle dog. We could, <laughs> sorry, we cat. could,
0: we could. But again, Jeremy was one of the earliest person to this, and I. And again, I apologize for yelling at that video, but it didn't work. That's in okay. any case, uh, Jeremy, thank you. Good luck. And uh, this Thanks. is a really important issue. This is you know critical. Instead of uh, figuring out how how these uh, financial instruments are going to work for regular people, and also throughout our economy, it's very exciting. It's still a very exciting arena. Anyway, yeah. thank you, Jeremy. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Scott. All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for predictions. Okay, Scott, predictions. Go ahead. Make a prediction, obviously. <laughs> we didn't expect the Peloton guy. We'll, well see if Well, first off, uh,
1: go Rams. Let me just say that. Not a prediction, but go Rams. Is
0: that a football team?
1: No, it's an off-off-Broadway play that we're going to together. Oh, okay. Good to know. Uh, so anyways, my prediction is Coachella is doing something interesting. They're selling 10 tokens or NFTs or wait what are they I think they call yeah. it a token. that gives you lifetime access to the to the music festival. So far the highest bid 75 yeah. grand, but you're this is the beginning. This is the tip of the iceberg. You're going to see in 2022 what I call lux coins emerge and that is uh, organizations oh, that try to monetize the scarcity value of access and it'll be interesting things. If I were Chanel or Hermès, I would issue uh, 10,000 coins, access to all Hermes products anytime with a stylist, and it'd be such incredible signaling and the perfect gift for every guy's fourth wife. I think they could raise mm. billions overnight. I think Stanford <laughs> or a, a university could issue a coin that says, okay. How do you
0: account for that in terms of accounting of the cost, like things you owe later? I don't know, just
1: Oh well, you might just be
0: putting my accountant hat on. Yeah,
1: but you you'd get the cash up front. I mean, you might not be able to take an. The, you might not be able to recognize the accounting revenue, but you would raise billions of dollars overnight get rid of right. these stupid development I'm departments. Get it rid of varied. get rid of the admissions department. Compliance. What about I'll give you another one. Um a Langone, a Cedars, or a Jackson or uh, Coin, and that is yeah. cradle to grave healthcare, no insurance. Say you're a parent. Uh, what do you leave your kids in your will? You leave them a stable coin for their family that says cradle to grave. Anyone with your last name gets gets great healthcare at Cedars or Langone for the rest of their life. Mm, they could raise billions. Oh, uh, so. The scarcity monetizing, uh, they'll use technology, it'll have a technology overhang, but there's just so many things you could do to get upfront payments around scarcity value from universities to hospitals to healthcare to aspirational events. Burning Man could issue a coin and say that whoever owns this coin for the rest of their life gets yeah. to be in the right, best yurt right. with the best art or whatever it is. All right, we'll see how many they'd sell
0: with those. Yeah, the
1: best yurt, best yurt? whatever Is it, is it is. yurt? Yurt. I have to provide the I'm going. I think I'm going to go to Burning Man this year. I've never said it. But oh. to...
0: You know, this feels, it could be like that, that island. What was the island? I can't even remember it anymore. That everybody, fire festival. Oh fire. Oh
1: my God, I love that.
0: This feels fire festival to me, but okay, sure.
1: Jesus Christ. Don't even use the terms fire festival when our, our Pivot Miami conference kicks off in oh. 72 hours. Don't even yes, say it. Yes, we will fi-
0: have bologna sandwiches for you uh, all. Oh speaking of which, I will see you soon, Scott. Oh, we, we right. almost had well, Emily
1: Ratajkowski. That, that would have felt very fire
0: No, no, she was
1: like one of the models promoting Fire Festival. Was she? No, no, is that misinformation? I'm
0: looking it up because I have to fact check you in real time. Okay, all right, here's the deal
1: you're correct. (laughs) You seem so disappointed. It was a
0: post about the Fire Festival.
1: Okay, yeah, I know probably a little too much about Emily Rodakowski.
0: I'm saying that anyway. We'll be back on Tuesday for more from Miami. I will be with Scott in person in Miami. And we'll both be wearing, wearing our Miami clothes. We'll, be, we'll have such we a good time. The weather will be warm. Anyway, Scott, I'm looking forward to seeing you in
1: person. Yeah, likewise. It's uh, really fun.
0: And please read us out.
1: Today's show was produced by Larry Neyman, Evan Engel, and Taylor Griffin. Ernie Todd engineered this episode. Thanks also to Drew Burrows and Emil Silverio. Make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. That deaf, dumb, and blind kid sure plays a mean pinball.